Luke's Gospel then, chapter 7. I draw your attention again to the verse 13. When the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. We have been considering the Lord as he is described in Psalm 146. He relieveth the fatherless and widow. And that is exactly what the Lord Jesus is doing here at the gate of Nain. He is relieving this poor widow woman. And he does so by raising up from the dead her only son. So in this scene, both the fatherless and the widow are relieved. She is relieved to see her son again. And he is relieved to be back with her, to provide for her, and to help her in her old age. So it's a great work of kindness. And it shows that the one in Psalm 146 has visited his people. The verb in that text in Psalm 146, verse 9, the verb to relieve, has the meaning of restore. In fact, it is sometimes translated lift up. To lift up. It is thus translated in the next psalm, the Lord lifteth up the meek. And so it is interesting that what takes place here in Luke chapter 7 is exactly that. The Lord stopped the beer, he spoke to the lad, and he lifted him up. He raised him up from the dead, and he raised him up from the beer, and he brought him and presented him to his mother. Thus he lifted up her soul. So there's a great lifting up taking place in Luke chapter 7. He raises up the fatherless literally, and he delivers him and restores him to his mother. Luke seems even to have in mind that psalm. We can't say for sure that that is the case. Whenever he wrote that the Lord saw her, I like to think that he had in mind this psalm. And it may even have been in the mind of the people because they're all saying God has visited his people. That's the ones described in the psalms. He feeds the multitude. He feeds, he feeds the, the hungry. He, he raises up the bowed down. He makes the blind to see. He makes the lame to walk. And now he's relieving the fatherless and the widow. And so they may think even about that psalm even as they see this work being done. The miracle, as we said last week, commences when the Lord sets his eyes on the woman. He saw her. That's where it commenced. He saw her and something happened in him. He saw her and he was smitten. He saw her and his heart was won to her. He saw her and his, her case came into his heart. He was won to her case by just seeing her. He saw her poor and needy. In fact, Luke in his gospel tells us about three women that Jesus saw. Very interesting. 
There were three women that he fixed his gaze upon in the gospel that Luke tells us about. The widow of Nain in chapter 7 is, of course, the first. But in chapter 13, he was in the synagogue on one occasion. And he was teaching on the Sabbath day in one of the synagogues. We're not told which one it was. And there was a woman there which had a spirit of infirmity. She had it for 18 years. She was bound 18 years by the devil. And she was bent in two. She was bowed over and she couldn't in any way lift up herself. And the Bible says when when Jesus saw her, the very same words, when he saw her, he called her. That's the second case that Luke tells us about. Then the third was the poor widow woman in the temple. He was teaching in the temple and then he looked up. And the Bible says he saw the rich men casting their gifts into the treasury. And then it adds, and he saw also a certain poor widow woman casting in thither two mates. And then he commanded her to the apostles. He says, of a truth I tell you that this poor woman hath cast in more than they all. For these of their abundance have cast into the offerings of God, but she out of her poverty have cast in all that she has, all that she's left. She's abandoned it to God. And it was just that Jesus saw her at that time, but that was no accident. He saw her. And these are the three poor souls that Luke tells us Jesus saw. He saw one woman mauled by death. He saw another woman mauled by the devil. And he saw another woman mauled by destitution. Not one of these women ever spoke in the text. None of them are are recorded as having said anything. Not one of them even asked anything of the Lord Jesus. Not one of them even sought him. Not one of them looked for him. But he looked for them. And he saw them. He saw them. And this, the first woman he raised from despair by raising her son. The second woman he redeemed from Satan's bondage and set her free after 18 long years. And the third, he rewarded with a well done. She was poor and what she had left, she gave it all to God and the Lord saw and he gave her a commendation. His well done. He sees our sorrow and our suffering. For he saw this widow. He sees our slavery under Satan's bondage. For he saw that woman who was bowed down. And he sees our sacrificial service for God. Let us rejoin the story this morning. And we continue we begin to see the effect this scene this woman had on Jesus. It moved him. Because it says when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her. We're going deeper now. We were at Agate last week, but now we're going deeper. We're going into his heart now. We're going to his bowels of mercy now. We're going to see that the sight that he saw in his eyes melted his heart. 
It got into his soul. He had compassion on her. Our translators sense the connection between seeing and being moved. And they use the English word when. When the Lord saw her. Not before, not after, but but when he saw her. He was moved with compassion for her. This is taking place, the account says, at the gate of Nain. But as I said, it's not the only gate in the text. There's a gate. Jesus' gate into his heart. And then there's the path down into heart gate. And this woman at the gate of Nain has entered into the gate of the eyes of Jesus Christ and has gone down into the gates of his heart and has entered in there. There are many gates in this story. But the best gate of all is the gate of the heart of Jesus. That's where she is now. She's in his heart. For he has compassion on her. He will soon, we trust, enter into her heart. After he does this work, we like to think he got into her heart. And she loved him. And she carried him always in her heart after that. But before he was in her heart, she was in his heart. That's the order. That's the right order, you know. This is the story of grace for us all, for all saints. Christ is in our hearts today. He has entered in. Saints have been moved to receive him and embrace him, but it all commenced when he saw us and when we entered into his heart. It all begins in the eye of Jesus It all begins in the heart of Christ. We love him because he first loved us. He saw us in our lowest state and his heart had compassion on us. That's the order. And here is that story for this poor widow woman. And as I say, I trust she comes to love him. But he first loved her. And he loved her when he saw her in her poor, distressed estate. And what is in the heart of Christ this morning as we look through the gate into his soul? What is presented before our sight? What do we see? The text tells us one word. Compassion. Compassion is in the heart of Jesus. I want you to see that this morning. In fact, it is full of compassion. Charles Wesley put it in his poem, Jesus, thou art all Pure, unbounded love thou art. And this morning, 
I want you to look into the eye of Jesus. You ask him to look upon you. You pray, look upon me, Lord. Look thou upon me and be merciful unto me. Look upon mine affliction and my pain. You ask him to look upon you. Well, if he looks upon you, then you look into his eyes. Look down into Agiot, into his soul, and as you do, what do you see? This is what you see. This is what I want you to see this morning. As you look down into the heart of Jesus, you're poor and needy, you're contrite and broken before him, you're humbled and you're repentant for your sins, you're broken and subdued, you're sad, despairing perhaps, greatly distressed, and you've asked him to look upon you, you look into his eyes. And what do you see? The compassion of Jesus. That's what I want you to see this morning. Surely this all-compassion, this pure, unbounded love, is what we see in his heart in the text. You know, the Lord Jesus liked this word compassion. Luke is describing what he sees in the heart of Jesus. But Jesus also uses this word compassion himself. He liked it. He liked the word. He liked the thing. He liked the presence of the substance of it in his heart. Compassion. It was a dear word to him. And he saw so little of it in men, really. He was disappointed with men. He especially noted that the religious leaders and the self-righteous, he especially noted that they were void of it. Or they had orthodoxy. They had, you know, soundness of the law. They had all the knowledge of the Scripture. But he saw that they had no compassion. They were void of it. Self-righteousness seems to expel compassion. It cannot be found in the same place as self-righteousness. And thus the Pharisees had none. And Jesus noted it. He saw it. And he told a number of parables about this thing. Two at least. Two certainly that we'll mention this morning, just now. And both parables had the religious leaders in mind as he spoke them. And both parables emphasized this lack of compassion. This lack of compassion for the sinful. This lack of compassion for sinners. As the Pharisees said, publicans and sinners. They despised men. And they couldn't love men. And Luke actually records both of these parables that I'm going to relate in which Jesus uses this word, compassion. One of his favorite words. And of course, the the first parable is the parable of the Good Samaritan. We all know the parable of the Good Samaritan. A certain man went down to Jerusalem, Jesus said, or went down from Jerusalem, going down to Jericho. He's making his descent 
and he fell among thieves. And you know the story. They took everything. The very clothes on his back. And they beat him up and they left him wounded, half dead and dying. And off they went with all his goods. And then the Lord proceeds to tell the story about the men who saw him. You see, these men saw him. That's the thing. They were passing down. They were coming down that way. They were coming from the temple. They were coming from church. They were coming from the services. And they were going down. And they passed this man. There were three men who saw him. But it was not three men that had compassion on him. We read that one was a priest. He went that way. When he saw him, that's what Jesus says, when he saw him, he passed on. He just went on as if he didn't see him. He saw him, but he went on as if he didn't see him. No compassion there. And then likewise, the Bible says, a Levite, he was at the place where the man was, and he came, and he he looked on him. He saw him. The Bible says he looked on him. The same idea. He saw him too. And what did he do? He passed by, the Bible says, on the other side. As if he hadn't looked on him. He felt nothing. He didn't want to touch the situation. And he went on. These boys aren't full of compassion. But then there was a certain Samaritan. A Samaritan? He journeyed. He came where he was. And Jesus says, when he saw him, he had compassion on him. The very same as our text. He saw her. He had compassion on her. And this Samaritan, he saw him and he had compassion on him. The third man, a Samaritan, was Christ-like. He was like the Lord. The priest had no compassion. The Levite had no compassion. Now, surely the priest is close to God. Surely the Levite is close to God. He's coming from the church. He's coming from the temple. One offers his sacrifices at the altar. One is as near to God as you can get. He's as near to the holy place as you can get. He's at the, at the altar, and he can go into the holy place just outside the veil. That's how close he can get to God. But he's no compassion. No compassion. And the Levite, he's in the choir. He goes around the temple, around the churches in the choir, singing. He's a voice like a, a skylark. He sings for God. But he's no compassion. None. They see. They see as clear as day. They see. But they cannot love. Because love is of God. The Samaritan loved. He had that which we are reading about in the Lord Jesus Christ, 
which he has in his heart. The compassion is manifested in that story. He had compassion on him. What did he do? He went to him. He bound up his wounds. He poured in the oil and the wine. And he set him on his own beast. And he brought him to an inn and he took care of him. The the compassion was manifested. It was inside, but it came out. Compassion is suffering with. It is putting yourself in that person's place and feeling, what if I was you? Put yourself in the sinner's place. The worst sinner you can think of. Put yourself in his place. Would you want to be there? Or, if that doesn't help, put your mother in his place. See how that changes the situation. Or, if that doesn't help, put your child, your own child, the own fruit of your own bowels, put that child in his place. And see if that helps. Don't just see a man as a tree walking. Despicable. See him as a poor soul in the bondage of sin. The Levite and the priest had no sympathy when they saw the man stripped, naked, wounded and bleeding and dying. And you know, there's no better description of a sinner in all the Bible than that. And that's Jesus' description of the sinner. Fallen among thieves. A fallen one. Among the worst company of all. Fallen among thieves. Stripped. Ashamed. Wounded. Naked. Exposed. Helpless. And perishing. Worst of all, dying, dying in that state. The saint needs to see the sinner the way Christ does. The saint needs to say, see, be the friend of publicans and sinners. If there was anyone Christ despised, it was the self-righteous. The second parable, of course, is the parable of the prodigal son. Luke also records this parable of Christ. It is found in chapter 15. It's a long story. We're not going to read all the story. It's part of a pack of three parables that was delivered to the self-righteous Pharisees and scribes, as the whole context tells us. And it's in the third parable, though it is hinted at in the other two as well, it's in the third one especially that the Lord uses this word, Compassion. Compassion. Again in the story, there is the self-righteous one. There's the brother, the elder brother, who doesn't have this compassion, but the father has it. The prodigal brought all the misery on himself. We know the story. He spent all the money in riotous living. He was wicked and wayward. And in that far country, 
There he was. But all the while, back home, there was a father. And his heart is burning for him. You know the story. He spent all, and then there arose a famine, and, well, his old world caved in. And he began to experience the misery of being a sinner. And he was awakened. He came to himself. He went the journey home again. He was sorry. He was repentant. And he arose, the Bible says, and came to his father. And notice how Jesus describes the father's response. When he was a great way off, he saw him. Now, why why did he see him when he's a great way off? Because he's looking. All the time he's looking and watching. All the time he's praying and hoping. And one morning, one day, when he looked across the plain, afar off he could see in the distance, yes, there's one coming towards the homestead. Is it him? He ran to him, the Bible says. When he was a great way off, he saw him. And the Bible says, Jesus uses this word, he had compassion on him. He ran. The old father ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. That's what the compassion led to, to running, to falling on his neck, to bringing the best robe, putting the ring on his hand, the shoes on his feet, the fatted calf and all of that. We don't need to elaborate. But in the same house of that father, living with that father, close to that father, who never went off into the far country, there is an elder brother. The elder brother, mind you. The one in the house should be, who should be most like the father. He has no compassion. Brethren and sisters, thank God our elder brother has compassion in the father's house. The father and the son have compassion for us sinners. That's the truth. The son is like the father. That's the truth. In the true story of grace, in the son of God, the one before us, he's like the father in the story. In fact, he is the father in that story in in many respects. He's the one that has a compassion. Now this word compassion in the original here suggests deeply moved in the bowels. It's a deep inward thing. It's a deep moving within a man and the Lord Jesus has all of this, this full of compassion within. And again we have before us the one in the Psalms. Because we're always reading about this one in the Psalms who's full of compassion. Psalm 78, but he being full of compassion. That's the Lord. Psalm 86, O Lord, thou art a God full of compassion. In Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Here's the one in the Psalter. Here's the one in the Psalms. Here's the God visiting his people. And what is he full of? He's full of compassion. I've been trying to emphasize to you, Christ is in the Psalter. 
And here he is. He's full of compassion. This is the one. This is the Lord Jesus. Look into, into his soul. Look in through his eyes. This is what you see. Saint or sinner, bring your poor, pitiful case to him. Tell him all. Tell him everything. Pour out your heart before him. Tell him your sins. Yes, tell him your sins. Tell him your sorrows. Just tell him. As Augustine said, that mighty man of God, demand compassion from the Lord. Have confidence in the bowels of his mercy. Don't be unbelieving. Have faith like Micah. What did Micah say? He will turn again. He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities. And he will cast our sins into the depths of the sea. He will have compassion upon us. Now here's the Lord Jesus at the gate of Nain, full of compassion. Has he changed any since that 2,000 years ago? Has he changed any? Is it any different now when you look down into his eyes? No. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is compassionate still. Isn't that what the epistle to the Hebrews is all about? It makes it so abundantly clear. This this great high priest in the epistle to the Hebrews, who's gone into the heavens, who's gone up and he's gone in and he's sat down at the right hand of God, uh, and when, when the great high priest did that, did he leave his bowels behind? When he went up in there? Did he leave his heart behind? Did he go up into his father's presence with a cold heart, lacking compassion? No, his compassion brought him down, and he goes back up again with the same compassion, and he ever lives to make intercession for us. It's the same Jesus still. And that he himself have suffered being tempted. He, he is not notice, not, not was able. He is able to succor them that are tempted. For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Who can have compassion on the ignorant and on them that are out of the way? He can have compassion on them. You know, whenever the high priest entered into the holy place, the most holy place, he did so for the people. He went in to pray for them. He went in with his compassion upon his heart. And that's why those bells are there. Those bells are announcing good news. 
He has compassion for us here outside. There's a sound of good news. There's a joyful sound, as the Bible calls it. He has compassion for us. He lives in the most holy place. He intercedes for us. It's the same Jesus. When he saw her, he had compassion on her. And so he's not exalted to glory and laid aside on earth his bowels of compassion. No, he's mindful of us still. Just like Joseph. Whenever Joseph went into Egypt, whenever he was made prime minister and exalted, whenever the brothers came, what was in his heart? Compassion. The distance hadn't changed it. He had to go into another room and weep his eyes out because it just wasn't the time yet to show them his compassion. But it was there. He was moved in his bowels and he had to go and weep. Thomas Watson said concerning Jesus at his ascension, he left behind his passion but he did not leave behind his compassion. And it's true. He has taken that with him. And so what you see in the text here is the same Jesus for poor needy sinners. What did the angels say as he ascended? They wanted his apostles to know it. What did they say? Never forget these words. This same Jesus. It's the same Jesus that had compassion at the gates of Nain. It's the same Jesus that ministered to you in his last night when he could have been away thinking about himself. This same Jesus will come again. He hasn't changed. He's compassionate still. Full of it. Saints of God then, be comforted in your lowest state. For you have such a friend. Such a saviour. Such a one that you can bring all your distress to. He sees you. You. And he has compassion on you. And sinner, even the worst of sinners, do not despair. Vile, guilty, and unclean, do not despair. Come to Jesus. Come to this fountain of all compassion. This vast deep ocean of Christ's bowels of compassion. Come to that fountain and when mixed with the blood of his cross can drown and wash away all your sins. Everyone. Everyone, if I rightly read thy heart, if thou all compassion art, 
bow thine ear in mercy bow pardon and accept me now let us pray Lord bless the word and bless the people of God through the word and draw sinners to Christ by the gospel for his name's sake we pray Amen.